everyone, I'm Meg. And I'm Ray. And, and this, this is, is the Yo Philly Podcast. A podcast where we break down the qualities and curiosities that make Philadelphia unique. Join us each week as we explore the city of brotherly love's culture, history, and traditions. Thanks for listening. Yo, Meg. Yo, Ray. Yo, Philly and beyond. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of the Yo Philly Podcast. And today we'll be doing our first ever music-themed episode and talking about Philly's beloved hip-hop band, The Roots. Similarly to our last episode, which was hockey-themed, we know very little about The Roots before researching this episode. Sad but true. Some of their songs definitely sound familiar, but for the most part, their music wasn't really a part of our go-to music playlists, I'd say. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. And I think it's because they're a little bit ahead of our time. You know, they were really like really big in the 90s and early 2000s. And we were still kind of kids then. Yeah, and we'll get into this a little later in the episode. But the Roots weren't especially mainstream for a lot of their career. Also, they were kind of more of this indie experimental hip hop group. So it's no surprise that they kind of fell under the radar for us, I think. But in any case, we were definitely aware that the Roots came from Philly and that they're important to the city of Philadelphia. And of course, we know that nowadays they're the current house band for NBC's The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And of course, we definitely heard of Questlove, who's been the front man for the group and has become a bit of this celebrity figure over the years. But aside from those points, that's all we really knew about the Roots. So... We need to do our homework for this one, and please forgive us if we happen to miss a few things here and there. Yeah, like Ray said, we've seen them do various live shows and performances here in Philly, and every time they come back, people really take notice, and we've really enjoyed what we have seen. They're just they're just a little bit new to us, so we're, we're excited to dive into them a bit more today. They're usually a part of the regular lineup for Philly's annual Welcome America festivities, which we're really fans of. So we've seen them a couple times at least. We actually did an episode on Welcome America during our first season, which was accompanied by an exclusive interview with none other than our truest of friends, Ben Franklin. And that was a really fun one. So go check that out if you're curious. But the roots are definitely there. Yeah, and I definitely remember that one time we went back in 2015 and we saw The Roots were sort of headlining the concert and then Philadelphia Mayor Michael Nutter teamed up and he rapped Sugar Hill Gang's oh, yeah. Rapper's Delight. Yeah, that was hilarious. Uh, quite quite a feat to see. Yeah, and he really did pretty well, but he was definitely running out of breath towards the end. I think he was rapping like several parts all just by himself and he, was, he almost like died on stage. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, but the Roots just tend to attract like these big crowds in Philly. Like they love coming out and seeing them live. And it just makes for this really great, awesome energy and atmosphere. Yeah, they're definitely a cool band to listen to and definitely a cool band to see live for sure. We don't know many of their songs, but we had a lot of fun, you know, listening to them for this episode research and of course seeing them live when we have and we're going to get more into their stylistic influences later on, but their sound has a really interesting blend of rap and hip-hop, alternative hip-hop, neo-soul, and jazz. And a lot of the songs we listen to really kind of tend to sound smooth, and the lyrics seem really deep, poetic, and introspective. Like, very introspective. Now, for the most part, hip-hop music isn't always my go-to, and it tends to be more of a once-in-a-while thing. And I think what usually holds me back is it tends to be... You know, a lot of like really good lyrics, but 
doesn't always have like a lot of music going on. It's just like simple beats or melodies and auto tuning and all this stuff. And what I really love about the roots is that they kind of stray away from that. They seem to be just a lot more musically inclined and they're a, they're a band. They're not just like a single person. Yeah. Yeah. The roots are a band through and through. There are several members up on stage. It's not just one person carrying the show. It's not just somebody with pre-recorded beats. I mean, they probably use them here and there, but you see actual people performing with instruments, which is really, really great to see and something we love about live music. And the Roots have actually received critical acclaim throughout their storied history, and it's definitely due in large part to their experimental nature and dedication to live musical performances. Now, there have been a lot of different members of the Roots throughout the years, but I think it speaks volumes that the group's frontman is actually a drummer. Go figure. Yeah, so you have Amir Questlove Thompson, and he's been with the band since the beginning all the way back in 1987. And it seems like Questlove has always been identified as the face of the Roots, as their frontman. However, like Meg was saying, he usually is accompanied by quite an ensemble. Aside from Questlove, the only other member to stay consistent with the Roots throughout their entire history is Tariq Black Thought Trotter. And back in the days when they were starting out, you had Questlove on the drums and Black Thought was on lead vocals when they were just getting to know each other. Yeah, we're probably not going to have time to discuss every single member of the Roots over the years, but according to their Wikipedia page, they've had 25 different band members throughout their entire history. And at the time of this recording, the Roots have 12 members of their ensemble, with everything from vocals, drums, guitars, to keys, flutes, saxophones, even beatboxers. Yeah, and while they're this kind of complete package now, when they were first getting started, Questlove and Black Thought, you know, they've really been together through it all as a kind of rags to riches story with every stage in between. In this episode, we're going to do our very best to tell the story of the Roots history, and we'll also learn a little more about the history and evolution of hip hop in the process. And due to various copyright issues, which Meg is pretty much an expert on, I'd say. I, I don't. I would not say I'm like a legal scholar of this, but, uh, you know, I, I know a little bit about media and copyright law. So Meg has informed me that we were not going to be able to play their music really in this episode. Well, we could, but at the risk of getting this episode taken down. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we'll be sure to link off to different albums, songs, etc. So you can definitely check them out, you know, before, during or after listening to this podcast. And be sure to follow at Yo Philly Pod for the complete podcast experience. Just saying, um, you know, we've got stories and reels on Instagram and we can probably include some music in those. And as we go through this episode, I think it's important to keep in mind that there's something so uniquely Philly about the roots. You know, the Roots started out as street performers, and Philly streets are tighter and more intimate than I think people would expect them to be. And it's also pretty common to see various musicians, dancers, and other street performers out and about. And yeah, like other cities have, you know, live music, street performers. It's not exactly unique to Philadelphia. But what's special about it, I think, is that there's such a unique feel. Everything just is a bit more intimate when you're walking around the streets of Philadelphia. And so whether it's, you know, Questlove and Black Thought out on the corner, banging buckets and singing, or a group of dancers, or like a marching band of drummers going through, like you never know what you're going to see. And it's always funny seeing it in like such an intimate streetscape, I think. All right, we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, we'll get into the origins of the roots and how they evolved into the hip hop group we know them as today. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
Hi, everyone. If you're enjoying the Yo Philly podcast, be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Okay, yo, we're back. We shall, we shall proceed, proceed and continue to rock the mic. We shall, we shall proceed, proceed and continue to rock the... Oh, wait, wait, no, hang on. We're going to go talk more roots, right? Oh, I just want to listen to him and sing along. All right, yeah, we can, we can continue talking about him and continue to talk about the roots. All right, so let's take it back to the beginning, to the root of the roots. Back in 1987, Amir Questlove Thompson and Tariq Blackthought Trotter were both attending the Philadelphia High School for Creative and Performing Arts, or CAPA for short, and that would make Questlove and Blackthought about 16 years old at the time. CAPA is a magnet school that's part of the school district of Philadelphia, and students can actually major in one of seven areas there, creative writing, instrumental music, visual arts, theater, dance, vocal music, and MDTV, which is Media Design, Television, and Video. Yeah, and in addition to Questlove and Black Thought, other notable alums of the Philadelphia High School for Creative and Performing Arts are the R&B vocal group Boys to Men and Hamilton's Leslie Odom Jr. Pretty good company. Yeah, there are definitely others, but those I think are more the standouts. Yeah, and a few founding members of The Roots now actually have a partnership with the Kappa Foundation and serve on the board there as well. So you can tell it's still pretty near and dear to them in their hearts. Even from the early stages, The Roots always had this kind of organic quality to them, although they weren't called The Roots just yet. Their first organized gig was in 1989 for a school talent show where they called themselves Radioactivity. Now that's about two years after they formed, so for a while they were just kind of hanging out and jamming on the street and just just having fun with it. Questlove would just go out and play the drums, which back at those times were just different sized buckets, and Black Thought would rap to the beat. And after their school talent show, Radioactivity would undergo a series of name changes. They went from Radioactivity to other names like Black to the Future and Square Roots. So we're getting closer there. Along the way, they picked up an MC by the name of Malik Abdul Bassett, aka Malik B. They also got themselves a bass player named Leonard Hub Hubbard. And by the time 1992 rolled around, the group decided to drop the square from their names and just move forward as The Roots. So now they're ready to take Philly by storm, right? Well, not so much, actually. It turned out they didn't really catch on in Philly right away, and the band relocated to London for a little while. London? London. Wow. (laughs) And it was there that they would release their debut album, Organics, in 1993. Now, this album was released and sold independently, so they weren't exactly big yet, but they did start to develop this unique cult following as they toured around various parts of Europe. Yeah, eventually a few offers came in from various music labels, and they signed with DGC Records, which was a subsidiary label of Geffen Records. In addition to releasing early titles by The Roots, DGC was also known for its embrace of various alternative rock bands like, oh, you know, Sonic Youth, Beck, Weezer, Nirvana, just just little acts, that's all. Yeah, they were really all over the alternative rock scene, and The Roots were kind of this experimental alternative hip-hop band, so it kind of fit the bill, weirdly enough. 
Getting into the mid-90s, The Roots found their way back to the United States and started cranking out more albums. In 1995, they came out with Do You Want More? During the recording process for that album, The Roots picked up a beatboxer named Razelle and a keyboardist as well. This gave the band the musical depth and range that they never really had before, and it really helped to give some fresh energy to their jam sessions. Yeah, now weirdly enough, I had actually heard of Razelle before. I remembered watching some of his beatboxing videos on YouTube a long time ago. Like he has this one song that he got pretty famous for that's like this solo act called If Your Mother Only Knew. You'd look it up and he like beatboxes and sings at the same time. It's unreal. And he was also featured on this snowboarding video game that I really liked for Xbox called SSX Tricky. That's where Razelle's from, maybe, (laughs) if you recognize that at all, or maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe it's just you. I don't know. Anyway, on the album, Do You Want More? The opening track is intro slash there's something going on. And on that track, Black Thought announces... You are all about to witness some organic hip-hop jazz, 100% groove, and you don't stop. This album is indeed inspired by East Coast hip-hop and jazz, which gives it a really smooth sound. They had three singles off this album, each with its own music video. Proceed, which we attempted to sing earlier. (laughs) Distortion to Static and Silent Treatment. And Ray, which was your favorite on this album? Mellow My Man? Yeah, Mellow My Man. That's it. (laughs) Try to try to say that five times fast. Mellow My Man. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, it's it's so fast when they're saying it. My Mellow My Man, my Mellow My Man. I I can't do it. It's awesome, though. But ever since I discovered that song in particular, I've been like looping it and playing it while I work. I don't know why, but it just like keeps me going. (laughs) And the album Do You Want More saw moderate success and the roots began growing more in popularity, which is really cool. And they were getting this following in this alternative music crowd. They also had notable appearances that year at Lollapalooza and the Montreux Jazz Festival, both in 1995. But of course, the roots would continue to stay busy and they turned out an album the following year in 1996, which was titled Illadelph Half-Life. The group's third studio album would break into the top 40 on the Billboard 200 chart. And this was in part due to MTV playing music videos for their singles, What They Do, and Clones on their network. So let's talk about What They Do for a bit. This still remains one of The Roots' most popular songs, and it doesn't take long to realize that this song was intended to speak out against mainstream hip-hop. Let's uh, take a look at some of the lyrics, shall we? Lost generation, fast-paced nation. World population confront their frustration. The principles of true hip-hop have been forsaken. It's all contractual and about money-making. Pretend to be cats don't seem to know their limitation. Exact replication and false representation. That's only part of the first verse, but you get the idea. And around this time, the musical style of The Roots kind of started to get a little bit darker, more serious. And they were notably influenced by the Wu-Tang Clan. The Roots simultaneously incorporated samples of old jazz and classical music into this album as well. The various tracks from Illadelph Half-Life also feature some interesting collaborations and guests, including Common, D'Angelo, Q-Tip, and more. And these collaborations would go on to form kind of this rotating group and collective of experimental Black artists known as the Soulquarians, including D'Angelo, Common, Questlove, Mostaf, and other talented musicians. Yeah, and this musical collective had shared interests in offbeat rhythms, irregular chords, and a deep appreciation for the underground urban music scene. 
Questlove was considered the musical powerhouse that sort of anchored the group together. And they put out quite a few projects during the late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, I don't think you'll find like albums by the Soulquarians, but each of these respective artists kind of had collaborations that they tied into together. So they weren't an official like group, but they helped each other out. And the Soulquarians together wrote about 145 songs through various collaborations, and it led to albums like D'Angelo's Voodoo in 2000, Erica Badu's Mama's Gun in 2000, and Common's Like Water for Chocolate. And during this period of collaboration, Questlove would be really impacted by the sort of neo-soul subgenre that they were all kind of gravitating around. So there's a lot of hybridization taking place. Yeah, and getting into the tail end of the 90s, The Roots released their album, Things Fall Apart, which would be a true breakthrough album for the group. Now, this album was named after the novel Things Fall Apart, written by Nigerian author Chinua Achebe. And the book was the first in a trilogy written by Achebe and focuses on Africa's struggles following European colonization in the late 19th century. The novel does not depict pre-colonial Nigeria as a utopia, but rather an imperfect society that was balanced by rich cultural traditions and social coherence. And I think where that influence is really coming from was after that period of colonization, those rich cultural traditions and social coherence was really fragmented. And the title of this album, and really its ambition, was to call attention to the disillusion and shortcomings of culture and society in America. They did also reinforce their stance on the current state of hip-hop, which they were quite vocal about. Questlove had this to say in reflecting back on Things Fall Apart. It was our first taste of the light, but it also drew a line in the sand for the left-of-center hip-hop and right-of-center hip-hop. It was almost like an apartheid civil war between both sides. The album's opening track, Act 1, W-O-N, Act 1, actually includes an excerpt from the Spike Lee joint, Mo Better Blues, in which Denzel Washington and Wesley Snipes discuss the current state of African-American music and culture. And you can also hear the words of hip-hop activist Harry Allen, a.k.a. media assassin and member of the rap group Public Enemy. Quote, Inevitably, hip-hop records are treated as though they are disposable. They are not maximized as a product, not to mention as art. Unquote. Now, this album was very well-received and critically acclaimed, and it soared to number four on the Billboard 200 charts, while the record went gold, meaning it sold at least half a million copies. The album would eventually be certified as platinum in 2013, selling over a million records. Finally, after 10 years of grinding, The Roots effectively broke the mainstream mold and were finally recognized for their experimental music and prowess. Yeah, and back in an interview with Complex in 2014, Black Thought recalled how the band was kind of reevaluating their mission at the time. Quote, Although there are people who regard Do You Want More as our first major release, I think Things Fall Apart was the real arrival of the roots, so to speak. Unquote. Back in 2019, which marked the 20-year anniversary of Things Fall Apart, the Philly Inquirer interviewed the rapper Common, who collaborated on the album, to reflect on this time in musical history. Philadelphia has allowed me to have the best gig partners and musical relationships in my life. The soul of Philadelphia is something I've always been drawn to, revered, and held high, unquote. Yeah, Common, who has had a few different collaborations with The Roots, had this to say about the influence of The Roots on his career. Quote, Musically, The Roots were pushing the envelope. Amir was a visionary. Black Thought taught me a lot. Dude's incredible. They helped me see things in a way I had never experienced and gave me a chance to be among my brothers, unquote. 
In fact, if you read through the credits and collaborations for Things Fall Apart, it's basically a who's who of this hip-hop neo-soul explosion. You've got Common, Erica Badu, Most Def, DJ Jazzy Jeff, and others. And to reiterate, there's lots of overlap with the Soulquarians here. So what we have here is really the breakthrough album for The Roots. The song You Got Me, which was off the album, won a Grammy in 2000 for Best Rap Performance by a Duo or a Group. Things Fall Apart was also nominated for Best Rap Album at the 2000 Grammys, but it ultimately fell short to Eminem's The Slim Shady LP. Tori and Elbit of Rolling Stone Magazine called it a top flight record. And currently Things Fall Apart ranks within the top 500 albums of all time for Rolling Stone. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And common threads of critical acclaim for the album included insightful lyrics, sobering themes, fluid sequencing, smooth rhymes, live instrumentation, and irresistible beats, man. So on that note, I think I might fall apart if we don't take a break soon. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. We got it. We'll pause here for the moment. And when we come back, there's plenty more roots to come. Yep. See you in a bit. Hi, everyone. If you want to get in touch with us and stay up to date with all the latest podcast news, future episodes, and other updates, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at YoPhillyPod or email us at YoPhillyPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back. So The Roots would go on to produce several more studio albums, but like we were saying in the last segment, Things Fall Apart still really is the group's standout crown jewel for their career. It proved that they weren't this kind of one-liner hip-hop jazz mashup. They were this incredibly diverse group of talented musicians that could innovate and also appeal to the masses. Yeah, unfortunately, we really don't have the time to dive into the entire Roots discography, but I think it's safe to say that Things Fall Apart was their most important work. And a fun fact here, all Roots songs are numbered chronologically, which is a fairly distinctive characteristic of their work. Their first album, Organics, has songs 1 through 17. Do You Want More has 18 through 33. Illadelph Half-Life has 34 through 53. You get the idea. As of this recording, the Roots have put out 14 studio albums, three of which were collaborations with John Legend, Betty Wright, and Elvis Costello. They saw pretty wide popularity from 1999 when Things Fall Apart came out up until around the year 2010. So over that span, there were seven studio albums put out. Six of those seven albums cracked the top 10 for peak chart positions in the U.S. and top five for R&B hip-hop albums. In terms of record sales, the three that stand out most are Do You Want More, which was certified gold. We have Things Fall Apart, which was certified platinum. And then in 2002, they put out Phrenology, which was certified gold as well. And in terms of Grammys, you know, the Roots have a pretty impressive resume. The Roots have three wins. One in 2000, You Got Me with Erica Badu for Best Rap Performance by a Duo or Group. 2011, Hang On In There with John Legend for Best Traditional R&B Vocal Performance. And 2011 again with John Legend for Wake Up for Best R&B Album. Aside from those wins, they've been nominated for 11 other Grammy Awards, so 14 total nominations. So really not too shabby there. Yeah, and speaking of the Grammys, The Roots usually host a jam session the night before the Grammys, which has included impromptu performances from musicians like Snoop Dogg, Queen Latifah, Fall Out Boy, and more, and they're usually well-attended by various celebrities. 
How do we get an invite to one of those? Because that sounds great. Uh, maybe this episode will be enough to get an invite. Maybe. Hey, Questlove. All, all if... the free publicity. Right. Yeah. All the, like they need it. Like they need it. <laughs> hey, Questlove, if you're listening. Anyway, here in Philly, the Roots are known for the annual Roots Picnic, which is an all day music festival and a ton of fun from the looks of it. We have not been yet, but it's on my list of things to do. The Roots also have a plaque on the Philadelphia Music Alliance's Walk of Fame on South Broad Street, alongside some of the most beloved faces in Philadelphia's entertainment history, including Dizzy Gillespie, John Coltrane, Hall & Oates, Boys to Men, Patti LaBelle, the Philadelphia Orchestra, and many, many more. And the Roots plaque was added to this historic lineup back in 2015. Their plaque reads, the legendary, multi-Grammy-winning hip-hop band, curators of culture, music, and the arts. The Roots have become incredibly well-known for their live performances in particular, like we've mentioned, and they have toured a lot over the years. One of their more notable live performances, and this was kind of as they were rising to prominence and popularity, was back in 2001, where they backed Jay-Z for his MTV Unplugged concert. Oh my gosh, I totally remember that, and not realizing who the Roots were, because I was 11. But yeah. And Rolling Stone named The Roots one of the 20 greatest live acts in the world back in 2003. So kind of a big deal, just saying. What's really cool about the band is that you can kind of plug them in anywhere. They're so talented and adaptable. They can pretty much jam with anyone, it seems. I also saw that The Roots toured and guest performed with the Dave Matthews Band back in 2007. Now, people are kind of divided about Dave Matthews Band, but Ray here kind of loves them. So you must have missed that concert? Yeah, I did miss out on that. And it would have been a time where I was really into Dave as well, so I'm kind of hurting inside. Well, there it is, Ray. Sorry about that. If we only had a time machine for you. Tricky! Tricky! Anyway, maybe you're not super familiar with all of their tracks like we were, but it's likely that you've heard them because they've been included in various TV and movie soundtracks, including the original Men in Black movie, Superbad, Hancock, Entourage, Cold Case, Blade 2, the list goes on. Yeah, and aside from contributions to those soundtracks, they've actually appeared in several movies as well. They showed up in Dave Chappelle's Block Party. They were also in Spike Lee's Bamboozled. And there's another Spike Lee connection. Uh, we mentioned them earlier when one of Spike Lee's movies was sampled on the intro track to Things Fall Apart. Uh, there's also Mark Levin's Brooklyn Babylon. And in that movie, Black Thought actually plays the protagonist in the film. And the former band member, Razelle is narrating. And I actually know that they were in Chasing Liberty, that movie with Mandy Moore, which is like total teenage girl ridiculousness. But when Mandy sneaks away, or Liberty, should I say, I mean, that's her character's name. But when she sneaks away to go to a concert with a friend, they're at the Roots concert and they're jamming out and she realizes her Secret Service is there and like really pissed about it. But yeah, Chasing Liberty, ridiculous. Not not cinematic greatness here, but the Roots are there performing. <laughs> I didn't realize you had such a connection to that movie. I, any teenage girl would. I'm just saying, like, any girl who was a teenager in the 2000s knows that movie. That explains why I don't know it. <laughs> uh, Black Thought and Questlove have also appeared either independently together in other movies such as Brown Sugar, Love, Rome, and From the Mouthpiece on Back, 
the Roots are listed as executive producers on that one. Oh my gosh. these Is there anything that these guys can't do? Like, it seems like they can do everything. And of course, in 2009, their screen presence would be exponentially propelled. This is the year that they became the official house band of Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Their song, Here I Come, from their 2006 album Game Theory, is actually the show's theme song. So researching for this episode, we kind of found out that NBC was a little bit skeptical at first about having The Roots be selected as the house band for the show. Boo. I know, right? Go figure. So I guess NBC execs were aware that this was a good hip-hop group, but, you know, what happens if Jimmy Fallon decides to have a country artist that week? But honestly, at this point, the Roots have seen it all. Like, they can do it. They rise to the occasion. There's no doubt about that. They actually have a game called Freestyling, which is kind of a throwback to the days of Johnny Carson when he did this stump the band bit. And when it comes to being this house band, Questlove has said, it's kind of strange to admit, but this is kind of the job that we were born for, unquote. Yeah, and I think I read a story that one of the things that helped win these NBC execs over was they were like, okay, you got three minutes to come up with a musical reference for Andrew Lloyd Webber. And they just like did it. And they were supposed to have like a 13 episode like trial series, but the execs were so impressed with them just on the fly to come up with an Andrew Lloyd Webber reference. They're like, forget that. You guys are hired. That's so great. I wonder what they played. Do we know what they played of Andrew Lloyd Webber? Dun, 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 dun. Phantom well, of the Opera? Probably. I don't know. I, I mean, that would be great. Like Andrew Lloyd Webber can do no wrong in my eyes, but whatever. <laughs> So after five years of that, in 2014, they transitioned from Late Night with Jimmy Fallon to The Tonight Show. Uh, and Seth Meyers now has Late Night. But still, like, a big boost for everybody. Oh, yeah. They're on The Tonight Show now. And, of course, the roots are heavily featured throughout these shows, handing everything from the intro and outro music to the opening songs, drum rolls, you know, little badunch, musical sketches, covers, and everything else you'd expect from a house band. They also slow jam the news which is something I really, really appreciate. And some of the most notable guests they've had for the Slow Jam news segment are former U.S. President Barack Obama and former Governor Mitt Romney. Their classroom instrument sketches, too, are so popular and something I absolutely love. Who knew that you could make classroom instruments sound so good? They are playing, you know, wood blocks, pixophones, kazoos, tambourines, just like really cute stuff. And some of the collaborations that come to mind are, you know, Call Me Maybe with Carly Rae Jepsen, Blurred Lines with Robin Thicke, Hello with Adele. They also did Enter Sandman with Metallica. And if you haven't heard Metallica with a kazoo, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. And they just have a knack for kind of like making these viral videos too. Like even when they don't expect it. Um, I, I came across the video when doing this research of... Uh, they were interviewing somebody and then they cut over to Questlove to kind of like thank the band and Questlove took like a big sip of water and then he like coughed all over himself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like so funny. Like everyone loves them. And like, of course, that's gotten a ton of views, but like they're just such a like fun screen presence. Uh, and so anyways, we've covered a lot of ground here in Roots history. Like we've mentioned, they've had over 20 different members the current lineup has 12 or so members and now they have everything from like trumpets flute saxophone keys tuba like it's a full lineup and they also have their singers rappers and beatboxers one thing i really like is that their tuba player currently his name is damon bryson and they call him tuba gooding jr oh my gosh that's 
That's great. I love that nickname. And of the current band members, like we said before, you have the two guys that have been through everything together, Black Thought and Questlove. And kind of going down the roster, next highest in terms of time spent with the band is Captain Kirk Douglas on guitar and Kamal Gray on the keys. And Malik B., who was with The Roots when they first started, actually parted ways with the group back in 1999. And unfortunately, we learned this year that Malik B. passed away at the age of 47. Thanks, 2020, once again. Questlove and Black Thought had this to say about Malik B.'s untimely death. Quote, May he be remembered for his devotion to Islam, his loving brotherhood, and his innovation as one of the most gifted MCs of all time. Unquote. And as for Amir Khabib Thompson, a.k.a. Questlove, we thought it would be good to expand a little more about him because he is just a jack of all trades. And I don't think we mentioned how his nickname came about earlier, so I guess we can throw it in now, is that I guess when he was growing up, he was really influenced by a tribe called Quest. I really like a tribe called Quest. I will say that much. I first heard of them in 1998 when I mailed in my box tops for my High C juice box and got in return the High C Music Blast CD. We got bugging out. And common ground on that tribe called Quest. Hey, there you go. So Questlove, and you might come across his nickname as like just question mark S love, Questlove, instead of spelling it out with a Q, but that aside. But Questlove has this to say regarding the origins of the name. Quote, the Questlove name grew from a seed of a tribe called Quest, though I watered it with my own questions about self-knowledge and searching. He continues, a tribe called Quest helped name me, and now I name them for what they were, are, and always will be. One of the brightest constellations in hip-hop's endless sky. Unquote. That's beautiful. I really like that. And in doing the research for this episode, we actually found out that he placed eighth for the best drummers of all time, according to Rolling Stone's Reader's Pick. He's played drums with a wide variety of musicians and artists, including John Mayer, The White Stripes, Ben Harper, John Paul Jones, Madonna, Iggy Pop. I mean, wow, what a lineup. Yeah, and he's spoken publicly about this too. He was supposed to collaborate with Amy Winehouse as well, and they had several back and forths. However, with Winehouse passing away in 2011, they never quite got the chance to link up. In addition to his extensive musical career, Questlove has also had several roles in film and television, ranging from composer, actor, musical directors, and other times he's just Questlove. We've definitely spotted him in an episode of Parks and Rec. I love that he plays Donna's brother who, like, comes to ruin her wedding. That's a great episode. It really is. I just love that it's Questlove. And when he's not playing music, he also hosts a weekly radio show on Pandora, which is called Questlove Supreme. My God, does he have any free time? Probably not. And I think I knew this somewhere in the back of my mind, but I was reminded that Questlove is also an author as well. You've got to be kidding me. This guy does not stop. He's written like five books. Mo Beta Blues, his memoir. Soul Train, the music, dance, and style of a generation. Something to food about. Creative Quest, and the creative power of self-reliance. Sheesh. And he's also involved in various philanthropic endeavors. Like we mentioned earlier, he currently serves on the board of the Creative Academy for Performing Arts, back where it all began for The Roots. And so much of the collective success of The Roots has been credited to Questlove's 
relaxed professionalism. He's always tinkering with various sound settings, working with engineers and the sound crew to get everything sounding just right. If something's even a little off, Questlove is sure to notice and he'll figure out a way to make it better. All right, that's all we have for The Roots this week. We learned a lot for sure, and I know that there's stuff that we missed, like every week. (laughs) They've got so many songs, albums, band members, collaborations. It was a bit of a challenge to kind of distill it all for this episode. It was hard to pick and choose. But I guess that's the challenge of doing a music-themed episode without being able to play music for various copyright reasons, so forgive us there as well. Be sure to check the show notes because we'll be linking to some of their stuff. All right. Well, at this point, I think there's only one thing left to do. John of the week. John of the week. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. If you're enjoying the Yo Philly podcast, be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. All right, and we're back. So we are ready to bring you this episode's John of the Week. And since this episode is so very musically themed, we thought it would be a good idea to bring you some John about a group called Positive Movement. So if you live in the city or you visited some of the more bustling areas, there's a very good chance that you've seen a troop of drummers and live performers marching around. Yeah, and granted, there are probably several different drum lines and various performance groups throughout the city, but at a surface level, the distinctive characteristic of positive movement is that they're typically led around by a guy dressed in an Elmo costume. Yeah, you kind of can't miss it. (laughs) And on the front end, I want to admit here that we tend to be cranky old ladies when it comes to these kinds of live performances. We like things a bit quieter, I think, which is why we don't live in Center City anymore. Yeah, um... Big mistake being total noobs and thinking we needed to live smack dab in the middle of Philadelphia. It is loud there. <laughs> yeah, good for some, but maybe not right for us. Um, but as it turns out, positive movement is a lot more than this roaming group of performers. Yeah, much to our surprise. But positive movement started back in 2011 as a drumline, and they evolved into a drill team actually a few years later in 2014. And the individual credited with founding positive movement is Tony Tone Royster, a.k.a. Mr. Why Not? Tone grew up in the Pulaski Housing Projects, where he was continuously surrounded by exposure to drugs, shootings, aggression, and death. He calls it the heart of negativity. And he came from a single-parent household. His mother had very little money and could barely afford life's essentials. Yeah, from what we could find, his family was essentially living day by day in order to survive under these tough conditions. And without some kind of escape, Tone could have easily been subjected to dealing drugs and getting into all kinds of trouble. In an effort to describe this feeling, he states, I was left behind, always trying to catch up to everyone else. Prior to the start of Positive Movement in 2011, Tone was involved in his school's drumline. It was something he could invest in. It gave him confidence and furthermore kept him off the streets. Yeah, it was definitely something he really looked forward to. Tone tried his best to traverse through his middle and high school education, including a stint at a disciplinary school. However, he would eventually drop out of Germantown High School shortly after he was removed from the school's drumline team. 
Apparently, he overstepped the lead drummer during one of the school's performances, and the director decided to remove him from the drill team. But his participation on the team was really what anchored him to his education, and without that connection, he felt really lost. Yeah, and before too long, Tone found himself struggling to find a job and would eventually become homeless for a bit. Without a high school diploma or GED, he did what he could to get by and had to sleep in abandoned houses and parks. And even though he was going through all of this, essentially hitting rock bottom, he never lost his passion for the drums. It was really the one constant passion he had in his life, aside from his desire to contribute to his community. The loudness of the drums speaks to me. It makes me feel alive, recalls Mr. Why Not. And it was really this low point of his life that he realized his higher calling, his higher purpose, you know, that he could serve. He envisioned a way to positively impact kids like him through the creative power and influence of music. Shortly thereafter, Positive Movement was born. Now, this didn't necessarily mean things got easier for Tone, but fueled by his passion for drums, he really started to build and grow this new community drill team he founded. And Positive Movement will play whenever and wherever they can. They welcome anyone that shares Tone's vision for building better and stronger communities from within. Yeah, and they have a specific mission for this movement as well. They're looking to, quote, decrease gun violence in the city of Philadelphia by providing young people with a safe environment, resources, leadership, and inspiration required to express themselves with drumming, dancing, positivity, and love, unquote. They also have a catchy slogan to help summarize what they do. Put down the guns and pick up some drums. As of late, they've become a bit of a viral sensation. When a drumline rolls through being led by Philly Elmo, people tend to take notice. And I guess they're sometimes led by Baby Shark as well. However, I've only ever seen Elmo. I don't know who Baby Shark is. Yeah, Baby baby Shark, right? Like, Baby Shark, do-do-do-do-do-do. That thing, right? That melody sounds a little familiar, but I don't... I can't picture what Baby Shark looks like. It's like a popular kid's song. The little ones love it. They got a big family with a lot of kids. So, Baby Shark or Elmo, that's them. So the next time you happen upon a drumline here in Philadelphia, pay close attention. Do their shirts have put down the guns written on them? Are they banging on drums being held together with duct tape? Are they being led by Philly Elmo? You might just think they're looking for a quick buck, but in fact, their mission far exceeds the ambitions of your typical street performer. Yeah, and speaking of a quick buck, positive movement really relies heavily on donations to keep Tone's mission alive. Uh, we'll link off to this in the show notes for sure, but if you head over to www.whoyourockinwit.org, you can learn more about Positive Movement, including their story, mission, videos, photos, where you can find them, how you can hire them for a gig, where you can follow them on social media, and how you can donate to their cause. So both for their website, whoyourockinwit.org, and at whoyourockinwit on Instagram, that's the letter U, rockin' wit, like whiz wit on your cheesesteaks, who you rockin' wit. Positive Movement uses those donations for resources that the group needs to keep their mission going, like equipment costs, snacks and food, costumes for performances, and other things. They're also trying to secure funding for a van to help them travel between gigs and maybe secure a place that they can fix up and call their own one day. Yeah, and you can donate to them directly. And I think on their website, they'll have various GoFundMes for different initiatives and next steps the group is willing to take. So if you're able to do so, head over there and help them out. And to kind of close this out, I'd like to include a beautiful quote from Mr. Why Not himself. He says, everybody has rhythm. 
If you have a heartbeat, that's your rhythm. Oh, I love that. Me too. We need that like on an inspirational poster. Yeah, as somebody who cannot keep a beat, I really appreciate this quote. (laughs) It's true, but we love you anyway. Oh, yeah. And want to know why they call Tone Mr. Why Not? Yeah, I've kind of been curious about this. Uh, So according to him, because why not be positive? Oh, that's great. Mr. Why Not, we need to meet you, man. Yeah, and he seems like such an optimistic guy. You know, everything I've seen and read about him, I think his heart's in the right place for sure. And this positive movement thing is really incredible. And what he's been able to achieve so far with positive movement is really special. Yeah, it's actually really inspiring to hear about and to know the story of this drumline a little more, you know, much more than we're just being cranky old ladies, like what the heck's going on? No, this is actually a great cause. Yeah, and what's kind of crazy too is like they just they went down our street the other day. Yeah, literally like two days ago. So they're not only like, you know, a lot of times they'll go to areas where it's really popular and there's more people are out getting food and drinks, you know, probably more donations. But I think lately they've been making more of an effort to just go down random streets and brighten people's day with a little music because everyone's kind of stuck at home. Yeah, we're definitely stuck and we're definitely bored. So hearing some music, I'll take it. Yeah, in tone, Mr. Why Not, like his smile is just so infectious. I, I've seen a couple of videos with him and shout out to Seven Not Films and their short documentary on Mr. Why Not and the positive movement. We'll be linking out to that as well. And if we've inspired you to get involved with positive movement, definitely head over to their website to learn more. You can find out how to get involved as a player, a volunteer, or as a sponsor. All right. So that wraps up the Yo Philly podcast music edition. Hopefully this gives you a deeper appreciation for how music can positively impact people's lives, communities, and how important it is to the city of brotherly love. Yeah, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Next week, we'll be bringing you our finale for season two. So be on the lookout for that. And we'll catch you guys later. Peace. The Yo Philly Podcast is an original production of MSOVA Studios. Be sure to follow at Yo Philly Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all the latest podcast news and developments. You can also email the show directly at yophillypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.